Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is a Locked On NFL podcast. It is Thursday, but no Twitter Thursday today. We're going to do a little bit of a switcheroo. We'll preview tonight's game. And I got a bunch of questions on the Eli Manning situation. What's my take on that? So we'll give you, you know, five minutes on that or whatever, however long I babble on about the situation. And many of you have been asking me about, uh, going back to last week, the Hall of Fame finalists, what my thoughts are on those guys. Uh, so we'll kind of have three different segments today, and that's what we're going to do starting with tonight's game. Washington in Dallas. When Washington has the ball, I only really have one concern. I've, I've said this a million times. You're probably sick of hearing it. Williamson's going to tell me about Sean Lee. They don't have Sean Lee. Their defense stinks when they don't have Sean Lee. Sean Lee's a popular dude in this house. My kids went to the same. You know, he grew up right around the corner. I told you I didn't think he was good enough to go to Pitt way back when because I'm a dumbass. Um, but history has shown that this defense without him is bad. And with him, it's usually serviceable and can complement an offense when the offense is clicking, which it isn't at all. Um, I There's one thing that worries me, though, from a Redskins perspective is pass rush. Irving and especially Lawrence. That Redskins offensive line is really beat up. And Morgan Moses at right tackle has been playing injured on bad ankles. I'm a big dude. I have bad ankles from playing hoops. I can't imagine being 330 pound Morgan Moses on two shredded ankles trying to guard and trying to protect against Lawrence. And that's what he looks like the last couple games. Somebody that is struggling. So, I do think that the Dallas pass rush could be a big problem here. However, I think the solution is run the ball a lot. And Dallas has been in, allowing a lot of yards without Lee in the, in, the, in the mix. And P. Ryan's done a lot lately and looks good. He's a downhill guy. I've heard Michael Turner comparisons for him. I think that's a good one. Turner's probably a little faster. But P. Ryan looks a bazillion times better than he did to start the season. And a short passing game. You know, maybe you do take some shots to Doxon, who is one of my guys. I like Doxon. And he has some good matchups, but maybe a max protect, play action, take some shots to Doxon. Cousins is a good play action guy, and that's a foundation of what they do. But I would think that you see a ton of Crowder, who has really done a lot lately, against Skandrick, who's struggling. Uh, Vernon Davis, I think, will cause major problems, especially without Lee in there. So I think you see a lot of controlled passing and a lot of running to kind of nullify, you know, the the protection issues. And I don't know what Dallas does about that. I mean, I think that is a gigantic problem. So other side of the ball, Dallas O-line is getting healthier. No Zeke. They still have big old slow wide receivers. Dak's getting more heat from the press and you fans than I think he deserves. But he hasn't played well. I mean, there's no question about that. You're going to see the Redskins have also allowed a lot of yardage. And if Elliott were playing in this game, I think that could be something that really tilts in, in the Cowboys' favor. And maybe their offensive line can still control the, the game on the ground. I would think that's the recipe. Maybe mix in some design DAC runs. I think that would be smart at this desperate stage. 
And maybe they do run for 170 tonight. I mean, I, I don't think that's crazy talk. But I still don't like their running backs. And, I, I mean, I get it. If the blocking's there, Alfred Morris is still going to run four, five, six chunk plays. And maybe that happens. Um, and the Redskins are pretty beat up on defense, too. And the, the run game would be a worry for me. I mean, that has to be Dallas's approach here is run, run, run like you have Elliott, even though you don't have Elliott. Um, you're going to see a lot of Dez on Josh Norman. And to me, that favors Norman a lot. Maybe you move Dez to the slot. He has done some work there this year. Uh, maybe, you know, I mean, that's that's the best way to attack the secondary is from the slot. Maybe you get more Beasley. Maybe you throw in Switzer a little bit. Okay. Um, tight ends have done a lot of damage this Redskins defense, too. But is Witten going to, quote, do a lot of damage? No, he may have... Four for 50, touch, maybe. Um, I don't think Terrence Williams is going to be a factor, whether it's against Norman or more likely against Breland. Um, I would worry quite a bit about the right tackle versus Kerrigan situation if I'm Dallas. I think that's very, very worrisome. So in the end here, I think Dallas's offense will move the football, particularly on the ground. Um, but I think Washington has more firepower. Better D at the moment. Um, a lot of big boy injury, big guy injuries though for them. That worries me. But I have Washington 27-20 on the road tonight. Something along those lines. All right, the Eli Manning situation. I think it's kind of disgraceful. And I wrote a while back for the score. I think I pre I profiled like 10 quarterback positions. Should they make a switch? Should they not? And the Giants, I said, should make the switch. But to Davis Webb. To put Geno in there, to me, is a slap in the face of... Or first of all, take a step back. What are my thoughts on Eli Manning? I think he's a massively declining player. You guys that have listened to me for a while, I didn't have anything good to say about him in 2016 have less to say about him good this year, but I think he's still mentally strong, uh, great at the line of scrimmage. He's had to totally rework his game uh, under McAdoo, and I think he's made that transition rather successfully. A massively Odell-reliant offense. Didn't have Odell. Uh, weapons have been a problem. They don't have much of a running game. They don't have much of a line. Is he the problem? I know he's not the solution, but I don't know that he's the problem. I also know that Geno Smith is not the solution. Eli, to me, is going to be a Giants ring of fame or ring of honor or whatever they call it. And probable Hall of Famer. To me, he's not. A, I wouldn't vote for him in the Hall of Fame. And we'll get to Hall of Fame talk here in a little bit. I, I don't think he's deserving of being a Hall of Famer if he quits today. Um, but I think he will end up getting there. Uh, the... Super Bowls, last name doesn't hurt. Uh, does he end up in Jacksonville next year or follow Big Brother's footsteps and go to Denver? Maybe. Um, I, I guess he's better than some starting options, but I've been calling him a declining player now going on two years, two full calendar years. But to bench him, now, I'm not defending... Ben McAdoo, who's, like I said, we've GA'd together. And I will say Ben, and this has been basically public knowledge, isn't really the the 
best communicator leader out there type. And he's going to get fired. I mean, I'm sure he knows this at that point. And I'm sure he had some input. But this decision came from the front office. I mean, they're going to be there. And I think it's a great way to really lose the locker room or further lose the locker room. I mean, Eli's an icon in that in that organization. And to sit him down with the streak for Geno. I mean, to me, it would be different. And I don't even think Davis Webb's that good a prospect. But they did on draft day enough to take him in the third round. And maybe he's not ready. And, and obviously, these guys have the advantage of watching practice, and I don't. And maybe they think Eli's arm is shot, and they're helping him by sitting him down. I mean, I'm doing my best to come up with excuses in their behalf. Or, boy, does Gino look unbelievable in practice. We have to get him out there because maybe he's going to save the franchise and be a superstar, like some thought he was coming out of West Virginia. I tend to think that is not going to happen. That is not the case. And to put Gino in there, to me, is a disrespectful thing to Manning and will have ramifications throughout the locker room, most likely. If you were to phrase it this way, as opposed to, we think Gino gives us the best chance to win. And I also wonder, if he, if Eli gives you a better chance to win, would you put Gino in there just so you don't win, so you get a better pick and you end up with Rosen or whomever? Um, you know, the front office decision. But if you phrase it, hey, we, we like Davis Webb a lot coming out of school. We were excited to draft him. We want, we're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. We're not going to make the playoffs this year. We figured we'd get a month of Davis Webb to evaluate. See, that's a pill I can swallow. And I think teams should do that more often than they do. You know, like, for example, the Jets. Like, McCown's playing great. McCown's playing a lot better than Eli. But maybe give Hackenberg a shot just to evaluate that film. I mean, again, I don't think Hackenberg's the answer. But you get my drift here. That's the first example that came to mind. But play the young dude. I think that would sit okay, but the way they handled it has really kind of going to be the cherry on top of just a nasty cupcake for 2017. Okay, so what I did was I did a search here for the Hall of Fame finalists, and I, I said it wrong, it's a semi-finalist. There's 25 names uh, remaining, still in it, to get into the next class of the Hall of Fame. And it's always big news. Who are the first-year eligible guys? You know, that it's their first shot to, to be on the list, and they've made it. And that portion, there's six of those, are Rondé Barber, Steve Hutchinson, Ray Lewis, Brian Erlacher, Randy Moss, and Richard Seymour. That's a pretty good group. You know, like, usually the first-year eligible candidates, to me, are not that strong. Not as strong as that. So, I think when you look at... I'm not going to predict who's going and who isn't. I'm going to run down every name on this list and I'll kind of give you a yes, no, maybe things have to break right. But when you look at those guys, I think that's how you have to look at the upcoming class originally. Is Okay, who's the fresh meat now that all the old guys that have been trying to get in have to compete with? You know, like when... Favre came up. is like, well, he's getting in. You know, like Tomlinson last year. Like, well, he's getting in. You know, like the 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 second Peyton Manning is eligible. Well, he's going to take one of those spots. To me, Randy Moss should just walk right in too. I mean, I think he's the second best wide receiver that's ever lived. 
I really do. There's also been some talk, I know this is a little side note, but we got in a weird conversation last night about can Julio or A.B. end up as the second best wide receiver that ever lived? I don't think that's crazy talk. I mean, but subject for another day. Um, to me, Moss is the definition of a Hall of Famer. Just strolls right in. Same with Ray Lewis. You know, that's, I mean, he's one of the best defensive players that ever lived. Has the resume. Um, I think Erlacher is... Or I should say this first, because a lot of things I'm going to say about this Hall of Fame conversation are negative. But we're judging the ugliest girl at the beauty contest. I mean, I want to say that just in front, that maybe there'll be somebody on this list I'll say, I can't, I'm shocked they're on this list. But that doesn't mean they're not a massive contributor to pro football or a great player or an amazing coach. Um, so just getting that out of the way, I have massive respect for what all these men have done. And that's absolutely true for Erlacher. And I think he's an obvious one as well. Also part of great defenses. Iconic. But I think what might hurt him is Lewis coming out the same year. Because Ray's going. Are they going to take two inside linebackers? Probably, but maybe Erlacher has to wait a year. I mean, I'm just saying that's a possibility. So I think Lewis is in. I think Moss is in. Rondé Barber, to me... Is probably a no. I know he has really good numbers, but I think he's more on the John Lynch path to Hall of Very Good. Hutchinson to me also is deserving. Is deserving. I think he's the premier or one of two premier, along with Alan Fanica, guards of their generation, and they had the test of time. Great. I mean, they they were the best, and they lasted a long time and were great for a long time. Hutchinson, to me, should be a, a Hall of Famer. But Fanica's been waiting a year or two, and I think they're equal. So, if I can only vote for one of those two as a voter, I would pick Fanica. I, you know, I think he gets six votes. Um, so, Hutchinson, like Fanica has, may have to wait a couple years. This one, Richard Seymour, is the last of the six first-year eligible guys that we'll discuss. I think he's a Hall of Famer all day long. But I know I don't think he gets in. Um, those three, four defensive end types, with, up until the J.J. Watt era, or, or he went crazy, they just don't put up numbers. Like I'm going to go back to some roots here. I, I'm not saying Aaron Smith is a Hall of Famer. But Aaron Smith was a great player, an all-time great Steeler. He'll be on the Steelers' ring of honor. But he never went to a Pro Bowl. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, like, Seymour's kind of the better version of that. He was a great player. Great player. Like, remember when Ross and I used to host football today? It's funny because both these guys are up. Ross said, the two hardest players I ever had to try to block were Ray Lewis and Richard Seymour. And I absolutely could see that for very different reasons. I think Seymour belongs in the Hall of Fame. I'm not going to say over this guy, over that guy. I think he's a Hall of Famer all day long. But just knowing what I know about the process and who gets in and who doesn't, I bet he doesn't. Steve Atwater is also... These are the other finalists. Steve Atwater, I think he's a Hall of Very Good guy. Baselli, like immediately... And this is a Hall of Fame type of test to me. 
You say Jonathan Ogden, Hall of Famer. Orlando Pace, Hall of Famer. Like, my immediate response. And Baselli's right on on that level to me. But then you look. He was a Jag from 95 to 2001. And then, remember, the expansion Texans grabbed him in 2002, where he spent the year on injured reserve and then he retired. He only played six years. Like, Hutchinson played from 2001 to 2005 with the Seahawks, then 2006 to 2011 with the Vikings, and then an unmemorable year to 2012. Fanica played from 96 to 2007 with the Steelers, two years with the Jets where he was still good, went as a big money free agent, and then a year with the Cardinals. So I'm just comparing other offensive linemen here, apples to apples, and at that position, I think longevity is important. You know, that you're not, especially, I mean, for the voters, more so than for me, because Baselli wasn't on SportsCenter. You know, I mean, everyone knows who he is, and he was awesome. And he was one of those drafted in the first couple picks and lived up to it from the second he put on pads. But if you only played six quality years, that's a coin flip for me. Uh, Isaac Bruce. I think he's Hall of Very Good. I think Leroy Butler's Hall of Very Good. I think Coriel is the guy I've been on the table for as a revolutionary innovator, changer of offenses. For those who don't know, he his claim to fame was really Chargers from 78 to 86. And all you know, I grew up a massive Steelers fan, but I had a Dan Fouts jersey because every kid and anyone that watched football in the early 80s loved the Chargers offense because no one had ever seen anything like it. Winslow and Jefferson and Joyner and Chandler and Fouts and Muncie. But Coriel was the one that built it and orchestrated it. And when I grew up and learned more about football, that he changed offensive terminology and how it was, you know, how people attack things. And to me, that is a Hall of Famer. Um, I wonder if someday he'll have to go in as like a contributor, though. Another childhood fr- you know, favorite of mine was Roger Craig. Um, I also think he's Hall of Very Good. But in a way, he was ahead of his time. I mean, he, he's kind of the modern day... David Johnson type, where he was a great receiver in those West Coast offenses that needed that two-way back. You know, unlike, you know, he wasn't just a hammer, that like a, like a Muncie that like I talked about. It was awesome. I mean, if, if Craig went in, I would not uh, put up a fuss. You know, like Terrell Davis went in. To me, he I didn't think he belonged. Does Craig deserve it more than Terrell Davis? I think they're kind of in the same stratosphere. Um, great teams, postseason success. But I tend to think no. Brian Dawkins, awesome, long career, 96 to 2008, and then a couple more years with the Broncos. I also think he's hollow very good. Talked about Fanica. Um, I think he belongs ASAP, and him and Hutchinson might hurt each other a little bit. Holt, Torrey Holt. I think Torrey Holt's a Hall of Famer. More so than Bruce. I thought he was a more complete receiver. Um... Wideouts are always going to be tough. I mean, he's going to have to get a year that's, quote, a light year, and I'm not sure this is it. But if I get a yes or a no, does Torrey Holt belong in the Hall of Fame? I would say yes. Hutchinson we talked about. 
Joe Jacoby is next. Um, I think he's a no. I think he's a Hall of Fame. Hall, great Hall of Very, very good. Um, you know, like to me, Baselli was a more special player. Jacoby played a lot longer. Was on a great offense, obviously. Um, by the way, the Joe Gibbs a Football Life was excellent. They're all excellent, but that's the latest one. It was very, very good. Edge James. See, I think he is a Hall of Famer. Again, do-it-all guy. I wrote an article last year about deserving guys that haven't gotten in, and James was on my list. Um, highly, highly productive. Highly talented. I think James gets in. I'd, I'd take James over Terrell Davis. Jimmy Johnson, I also think he's a Hall of Famer. You know, that he had a couple good years with the Dolphins, but he was the head coach and helped build what I thought was the best team of the, what, a five, six, seven-year period. That was a dominant Cowboys team, and it fell apart when he left. I think Johnson's a Hall of Famer. Ty Law, he's a local dude, went to Aliquippa. I think he's a Hall of Very Good. I mentioned Lewis, Ray. Uh, Lynch, to me, is Hall of Very Good. Same with Kevin Mawai. Same with Carl Mecklenburg. Randy Moss is an easy one for me. I like Leslie O'Neill a lot. All right, something weird cut off there right when I was talking about Leslie O'Neill. I think he's a really good player, don't get me wrong, but I think he's in the Hall of Very, Very Good. Uh, I would rather have Jason Taylor, who recently went in, and I thought he was borderline. T.O. is next. That makes me insane that he's not in. We've talked about this a million times. One of the absolute best wide receivers who ever lived. Okay, he's disruptive. You don't want him in your clubhouse. But he is a Hall of Famer. I think Rice is along the lines of, of Leslie O'Neill. That's Simeon Rice. Hall of Very Good. Talked about Seymour. Talked about Erlacher. Everson Walls was a great player, but I don't think so. And everyone around here thinks Heinz Ward is a Hall of Famer. I do not. Uh, I think he's Hall of Very Good. Um... Interesting player, interesting case, but I think he was never the best wide receiver in the league when he played. Not sure he was ever in the top three. You know, I would much rather have a guy like Torrey Holt, and I realize Ward's contributions are more than just catching the football, and I get all that. Trust me, I watched every snap he ever played, but I think he's not a Hall of Famer. All right, guys, that's a wrap. See you.